This week, we continue our occasional conversations with the chiefs of the community bands across the island. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 166. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and via email transfer, migma.matters at gmail.com. Those bands run mostly by volunteers, welcoming those with status cards and those without are key to the Mi'kmaq cultural awakening in Newfoundland, including in Burgio. Mi'kmaq history runs deep on the south coast. Jane Matthews, who married settler Ralph Brake, and after whom many Mi'kmaq people are descended, came from Burgio. Another strong Mi'kmaq woman from the south coast is our guest this week. Elaine Ingram is the new chief of the Burgio First Nation. She's part of the Warren family, one of the Mi'kmaq clans in Burgio. When she grew up, her family faced discrimination from many in the community because they were Mi'kmaq. Now, she's the leader of a band that provides food and culture to everyone in the town who wants to share whether they're Mi'kmaq or not. Here is our conversation with Chief Elaine Ingram. With me, well, I grew up with a family of 10 siblings. And, and 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 the source of living where well, my dad worked, but he he also did a lot of hunting and fishing, and we all when we were big enough, we all did berry picking and gardening was the source of living. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for for our parents because there were so many of us. But as uh, the as ones got older, well, they helped out with the family also. It wasn't easy, but uh, we got. I'm sure they got through it. And. Um... So the on the Warren side of your family, how far can you remember? How far can you recall back? I suppose you remember your grandparents. Yes, I remember my grandmother. She she was um, she was a Mi'kmaq, and uh, <clears throat> I remember a bit about her. I was only young when she passed, and I don't remember my grandfather. I, I'm, I'm thinking he was gone before before my time, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I can remember like growing up. It, we were, look, I guess, we were looked down on. We were, we were called many things: Indians, half-breeds, squaws. But the words weren't allowed to be used in our home. Dad was pretty strict on on the words being used. I guess you look at we were shunned on. And that was that's in that's in Burgio when you were going around. This that was growing up in Burgio. That uh, and I and I mean it wasn't only our family because there was many families that uh, that were uh, indigenous. But they, they, you know, we were looked down on, but we got through it. And what, and what do you remember about your grandmother? You say she was um, a Mi'kmaq woman. So did she, um, so uh, did she talk about uh, tradition? Um, and uh, did she, um, did she still have some of the tradition? Your, your grandmother. Do you remember? I don't remember much about my grandmother, but uh, and you're just hearing from my older siblings. I had an older sibling that stayed with her for a nice few years. He, he lived with her and she went by, you know, her way of living was different from ours. So she she would have um, uh, used the country food. She would have cooked uh, moose, maybe even caribou, I suppose, back in the day. 
yes, they they cooked birds. They cooked. I mean, most. I guess they cooked a lot of caribou and moose meat and fish. Whatever. They they lived. You know, the gardens. They lived off the land. They they had no other choice but live off the the land. Now, I think there was uh, the band in Berge goes back many years. We have uh, we've had uh, this Bergio band uh, for a number of years, but even back in the uh, back in the times of the FNI. I think there was a band in uh, in Bergio. Yeah, I know back in the late eighties, in the early nineties, uh, Bernard Benoit. Well, he did. Um, he, he put the band here. He put Bergio on the map. He uh, he's the one that did all the background history, and he would be a great person to do an interview about the history of Bergio because mm. Bernard has gone back so many years ago, and with Bernard. He, he's older than me, of course, and he did get to talk to his grandparents and his father. He, he do know a lot about the history and the ancestors of Virgil. To my understanding, now I, I talked to Bernard several times. Bernard is writing a book, and now the last I talked to him, there's some Bernard remembers every date. I mean, right back from probably the 1800s, 1600s, whatever, and. He, his book might be very interesting. I do ask him, when are you going to get the book out? I'm trying to get a title. I'm, I'm getting a title. Mm. I said, you really need to get that book out there because that, that book needs to be read, right? How long have you been chief now? For a few months since uh, you took over from uh, Greg James. Yes, we had a meeting back in October, and um, we had an election of officers, I guess you could call it, and I was nominated to go chief. I didn't really want to take the role on because I felt that it was a, a big role. And I did, at that time, I said, well, can't we just continue on doing what we're doing and, and not have a chief? Is it, and Greg said to me, it's important that we have a chief. So I did take take on, take on it on, but I am I was familiar with everything that was going on because I was up on everything from the time that we started. We started, Greg came back home to, to live, uh, I think it was around 2016, he had a meeting and we had, at that time, we got four of us to uh, form a committee, and we were just being, at, we and then we were just being introducing ourselves to the culture and bringing the culture back into the community, I guess, such as the knowledge, language, and what people eat, and the lifestyle, and the history. This is how we all started, right? Mm. But then we moved on to bigger things. Mm. We we put in place a, a land and sea meal that really uh, took over. Um, and what kind of what kind of a meal was that? We did, we had food that meals that was donated from the com- indigenous members of the community from uh, moose meat, fish, uh, vegetables from the land, birds, anything that we could cook that had to come from the the land or the sea, mm. and that went over very well. We you know we had a I think we had about eighty people attend to that, wow. and they thought it was really really it was really nice. That was our our first event that we put off, and that was a Big event, and it, it was nice. Hmm. And then we put off a, a Maui Omi, and that went over really well. So in every year, Aboriginal Day, the 21st, for four years, we, we raised the Indigenous flag and support of, put a red dress out in support of the missing and murdered Indigenous uh, people across Canada. Yeah, we got about, I'd say from the time that the band started up back in the 80s, there was about 350. Three three fifty people lived in Berger that was indigenous, mm. but now in Berger now I mean obviously they moved away to work and benefit their uh, their home life. So now in Berger there's probably one hundred and fifty plus 
that's living here now. And you would have, um, you don't, uh, you don't need to have a card to be in the in the Burjo band, of course. So um, if you uh, if you have the ancestry, that's enough to be in the band. Yes, and we don't turn anyone away. We we open our meetings to anyone. Anyone in the community are welcome to attend to our meetings. To anything that we put off, we uh, open up to the public. Now, um, it sounds like you were a bit reluctant to take on uh, chief. Um, so, what? Um, why did you have to be persuaded? What you were? What you were thinking of uh, when you were wondering whether you should uh, take on the chief role? Yeah, I was. Uh... <laughs> I was nervous about it because I, I was doing the secretary and treasurer and doing the, I did have a lot of work from from I did have a lot of help from the other uh, other members of the band but uh, you know I, I I wanted I wanted to keep us keep Berger going I really did right hmm. I felt that the people needed to be recognized there and I suppose if you uh, you know if you didn't take it on maybe things would um wouldn't wouldn't last. So I suppose you figured, well, if I don't do it, then that's it. So you didn't really have much choice if you wanted to keep the band going. I didn't have much choice, no, because I I do I do think it probably would have folded there, and I didn't really want to see that. I put too much work into it. The, both me and Greg put a lot of work into it. I really did not want to see it folded, and I I do like you said. I do think that it would have, because I don't think anybody would have stepped up to the plate. Now you will have you of course have a different style from Greg. You're not. I don't think Elaine, you're the person who's who calls open line every second day. So you're not as. Uh, you're, you're not like that. No, definitely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will not be doing what Greg did. Far from it. I. <laughs> I don't want to do anything like that. I right now we. Uh, our goal is to to promote awareness and and. and education of our traditional cultural heritage of the Mi'kmaq people in Virgil and the full community, right? We want mm. we right now are we want to support our community and like the businesses, the school and organizations, want to help everybody out in any way that we can. Do you have a working relationship with Halibu or you do your own thing? Um of course um your counselor, you're a part of the same ward as Flat Bay and that's about what, uh, probably two hours drive or more from from Bergio, so you're you're it's not like you're next door. Um, no. And um, in terms of, um, do you have a working relationship with Halibu, or you do your own thing in the in the Bergio band? Uh, we're pretty much doing our own thing. Um, we work with Flat Bay a lot. I mean, they 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 do help us out a bit. Um, we do want to build a relationship with Halibu, and we're hoping to do that in this new year because we, we don't know too much about Halibu. We do get funding from them once a year, but uh, we, we want to uh, build a relationship with them. We really do. Hmm. And what what uh, do you get funding for your Maui only, or what do you get funding for? Uh, usually we put in uh, one workshop a year with them, whether it would be, I mean, we've put in probably mosque making. We did that. We did uh, the rattles. We did... Uh, the shawls, we, we, you know, different things. Every year we put in some sort of proposal, whether it be a teaching. Uh, this year we haven't really planned on what we're going to do, but I'm thinking we're going to put it in to get some help towards uh, our Mawiomi if we can put it off. This can be, of course, due to the COVID restrictions. We're not sure yet if we're going to be allowed to do that. And and tell us what you've been doing uh, in the band. Of course, we saw on Facebook your, uh, your big food drive there uh just before the holidays. That was a big operation. Yes, it was. 
because it was a very big operation. It was uh, the food. It was called the Food Rescue Program. Uh, I guess we came in on the second harvest, and the, the food is coming from businesses. I guess they cannot sell their food, and 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 they're also donating their food, and and the government is uh, buying it back to distribute the marks of the. I, I'm thinking smaller communities, but I do know it, it do go right across Canada. Mm-hmm. And so um, we were fortunate to be able to participate into mm-hmm. it. We were able to, we, we did share with the uh, Rainier, Grey River, and Francois, so we served four, four communities. There was uh, approximately 900 families. And then that's, that's what, because um, we put flyers out, they sent their flyers back. And uh, we also had, after, at the end of each, each day, if we had food left over, we put it out because there was a lot of people that didn't put their names in, which we we, we had it open to everyone, mm-hmm. and uh, and anyway, they all got to uh, enjoy it. Yes, right. They all got to enjoy it, and the band, well, the band fields frozen food rescue was a uh, very successful, and it helped the people in our uh, rural communities to help alleviate the burden of the COVID pandemic. And of course, in Burjo, though you would. It wasn't like you the food from came from up the road. You had the tractor trailers had to cross on the on the ferry, and you had to uh, time the arrival of the of the trucks in Burgio. So there was a lot of details. There was a lot of work put into it. I mean, there's a lot of work goes on behind the scenes. But we did have 40 volunteers that came forward, which uh, it was a big help because I was nervous about even having it here because I thought, am I going to get the help? Because this is a big project, right? And uh, well, we did. It was 40 volunteers. And people couldn't believe it. Like, the community couldn't, they couldn't believe it. Like, and they were so, you know, overwhelmed. I guess the word is that they were getting free food. Yes, a big truck arrives in Virginia with free food. That doesn't happen every day. <laughs> no. And then you, I'd put a time on the, the computer and I'd say, okay, uh, pick up, we'll start. Because we, we like to have got, gotten our deliveries out first, of course, to get that out of the way. And we'd put their pickup starts at 2 o'clock. <laughs> By by 12:30, the truck is probably getting there. By uh, one o'clock, there's a lineup probably right around town waiting waiting to uh, pick up their food. Wow. Yeah, they uh, took advantage of it, and it helped a lot of uh, families. Well, that must have been high anxiety for you, Elaine, because of course, if things go wrong, they have your number, so you get the call, I guess, if there's a problem. Yes, I had many. I've made many phone calls and. Many uh, email messages, and and it was it was stressful. It was very stressful. But uh, like I said, the volunteers helped me out big time with that. I had uh, two other women that uh, helped me to get it organized, and and we did a I gotta say it was an exceptional job with getting it organized. And the full community approached us and said it was so well organized. So I had to thank uh, those two ladies for helping me out with that. So you've got that out of the way now. So what's the what do you have planned for uh, for 2021? We're look we'd love to have a place in town where we can have our meetings and workshops and a drumming group. Um, we do have a drumming group here. I put that off here um, back in I think it was 2017. I did um, 40 online video lessons to learn the words, hmm. and I did one through Greenfield College at Five Mark One because I wanted to get the concept of the words to be able to teach them. So um, that's going to go ahead. And 
Is that once a week? How, how often? That we're, we're, we usually do it once every two weeks, but when the COVID came in, it kind of put a stop to us to getting a bailing to rent. So this is why we're hoping to get working on something in 2021 to uh, have our have a home, our home place to be able to put off our drumming in our meetings and our workshops. And what and what place is that? I think you were meeting at the uh, what's it called the fifty plus. Uh, yes, the fifty plus club we were meeting at. So we uh, there's a couple of buildings in town we're looking at. We haven't uh, we haven't decided now exactly which one we're going to go for, but we we are going to try to work at getting some funding to uh, get a place done up here and have our own. Well, you you could rent your own space in one of those buildings. Yes, and we're open to get – our big thing is, because everything is run by volunteers, we would really love to have someone hired here to become full-time, to help with the proposal writing, to get things here. This is this is another thing we'd like to be able to see for Burjo. Just to handle the, the mail and the phone calls and the email, I suppose, uh, just the office um, – there's probably enough work um, just looking after the, the correspondence and the um, – just day-to-day operations for one for one person. Yes, it's a full-time job, it's, uh, you know, because there's days I don't get away from the computer. Just, you know, I I do have a life outside of this, but uh, that's put on hold many times. Mm. There, there, it is a position. It's a full-time position for someone to be able to. Uh, there's a lot of computer work because there's a lot of proposal writing. Mm-hmm. But whatever comes at us, we're going to go for. I mean, if we see something that Burgess should have, we're going to go for it. We uh, we put off uh, a couple of auctions every year, and we get very much support from that. A lot of support. The, the full community comes together and helps us out with that. That was Elaine Ingram, chief of the Burgio First Nation. That's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus. Nimaltus.